0: Hey everybody, it is Richard Harris and Scott Lees with another episode of the Surf and Sales Podcast. I think we've done four this week, which I think is a
1: a new record, Scott. Definitely a record for this year. For this year, for sure. Year year one, we probably broke that. We did 200 episodes in year one, if you can believe that.
0: Yeah. Um, Before we introduce our guests who we're super excited to talk to, um, quick shout out to Outreach, to Sendoso and Scratchpad, our sponsors, as you know we grow and learn about our sales teams. These are the kind of tools that absolutely will help you grow and learn and help you improve your funnel, top of the funnel, and yeah, even the bottom of the funnel so that it, the, the good stuff comes through. So please check them out. We appreciate their support. Um, I certainly want to introduce our, um, our guest here and uh, Denise. I'm, I'm not even sure what title to use. So I'm going to let you describe who you are and what you do, but it is Denise Champagne. So Denis, tell us a little bit more about who you are. Give us some context, so as we have this conversation, um,
2: we'll know where it's coming from. All right. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate you, uh, you know, having me on this uh, podcast. I heard about it before, and so uh, I've been 35 years self-employed. I had a sales call center in the 90s and early late 80s uh, in Toronto, and Canada, and uh, was a pro athlete before in racket sports. I was a master's elite cyclist on track and road in my 50s as well. So I have a background in professional sports. And the coaching component, that's what brought me to now coach people instead of doing prospecting, which I've done for the last 20 years under different titles as VP. I was a glorified prospector (laughs) under the title of VP (laughs) because they had no one else. So they said, hey, you love prospecting? Come on in. So, I was hired and I've done that internationally in software, um, software and uh, energy efficiency, a number of services. I think I just put on, I have to shut down the, the noise of my computer. You'll forgive me a second. No worries. No worries. While, while you say that, Scott, we were
0: talking offline. Denis is in uh, Montreal, Quebec, and uh, his family's been there over 300 years.
2: 300
0: right? years. Yeah. That he, can
1: date, he can date it back to 300 years in one place. That's that's, that's before the United States existed. Yeah, 360. 360. That's, that's before the U.S. existed and he can date that back. That's like a whole other podcast episode that we totally. do. Totally.
0: Yeah. I, I had to throw that out there because that was just like, that's, a, yeah, that's I'm awesome.
2: Finishing, I'm finishing a course in indigenous studies here at the University of Alberta online just to give a duty of memory to the people that we... Have not treated as well as we should have the uh, the uh, First Nations and the Métis and the Inuit. They are wonderful people, and I've have been to a couple of powwow. We're going to another powwow next week, anyways. So I've been prospecting now and coaching prospecting because I think that the number one problem is prospecting poorly and no disciplined execution. And everybody's trying to find ways to circumvent that, but ultimately it requires discipline. It requires maturity, confidence, relevance to talk to C-Suite. And I've done that for 15 years all around the world. So now wow. I coach others to do that.
1: So how do you personally, how have you personally, not in your coaching, how have you personally adjusted your prospecting, say, in the last five years or so?
2: Uh, technology, leveraging a bit of tech, especially on the side of research, finding information that's relevant to a conversation i don't want to call someone just to call someone i want to call someone and say i have ideas i've took the cognizance of your company uh we've seen this before we have some ideas we want to share and i bring up maybe one idea or one problem
0: Denny, do you actually use that word i have some ideas for you like is i that have some idea? yes i have some ideas Oh, that's really good. That's so simple. I really Simple. Like it. That's what I wanted to ask. And, and yeah. who wouldn't want to hear at least an idea? At least hear it, I would think. I don't know. Not everybody. Correct.
2: And yeah. I only asked for 15 minutes. I only asked 15 minutes. And if they say, well, you know, book, uh, call me back two week," I say, listen, I have found that it's easier to change plans and not to make them. So why don't we just set up? And if you need to change it, we'll change it. Oh. And they go, oh, that's, that's logical.
0: I'm I'm literally writing that down. Like that's I'm taking notes for our notes. But that's it's easier to change plans than to make them. So let's go
2: ahead and make them. Not than not to make them. not to make them. Oh, Oh. then not to. Oh, oh, oh. Right. Uh, Rather, let's book it now. And if you have to change, we'll change it. Nine times out of ten, they never change, because it's the way you say things. It's how you approach with your voice, your calmness. You know, the days of ranting and having that high pitch. And I spent a lot of time using an AI tool to coach my reps and using the voice more intelligently, more calmly. You can say a lot about a person by his voice. It's like a second face, as a French writer said, but a face you can hide, a voice you can't hide. So Mm. I use the voice well, you know, calmly and have fun. Like just this kind of conversation it's the same I would have with executives in Moscow when i was selling you know software design procedure design for air, air 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 association air aviation so you know people don't people want to talk if you have ideas you can share that may be good for you what have you always loved prospecting versus the other parts of the funnel or
0: did you just sort of fall into it like you
2: know. Well, I guess I fell into it at sixteen. When I was in high school, I was in the morning selling uh, washing dishes at six thirty, and in the evening I was selling furniture appointments, appointments for a furniture store. Wow! And three days into the job, I was number one. I owe it all to my mother with the phone hanging on the wall, carrying it over here, cleaning and pot, doing all the multitask. My oh, wow. mother was a my mother was the reporter of the of the town where I was living. So she connected with everyone. She was just a giver, a real giver, a big heart. And uh, she was the queen of Tupperware as well. So I learned all of these entrepreneurial mini skills from mom. And you know, it was easy for me. I didn't I wasn't afraid. I'm not afraid of calling anybody. I'll call anyone. I don't care. Trump, or whoever, I don't care. So that kind of It's a spirit, right? Prospecting for me is a spirit. It's a form of of an experience that you 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 want you're wanting. You want to go out and reach new people. You can't wait. So I I always kind of in in cultured in cultured my people and say, hey, you're going to meet a new friend today. Who's the new friend you're going to? Blow my mind in like already. I've got like a
0: thousand questions. I'm already kind of just keep Scott on you. Um, top. if you don't mind, well, first of all, hat tips to all the moms and the dads who've helped inspire their kids, Uh you know, super important. I have the same thing with my mom. She was, she didn't do the Tupperware thing, but she was in sales and like the first woman stockbroker in my town and all this stuff, wow. you know? So I, I come from that cut too. Um, there's Scott, you don't know their story. There was a story my dad once told my mom when he, she started working, cause he didn't want her to, you know, Southern men didn't want their women, their women to work, their wives to work. He told my mom that she'd never be able to get an American Express card, because back then it was considered such a a affluent sort of luxury credit card, you know, so, um, and that's why they were married, not when they were divorced. So, you know, but uh, I want to, I want to come back to this part about spirituality of prospecting. And I think there's a lot of that in any part of sales, right? you you got to have this kind of deeper connection to want to do it. What does that mean for you? And where do you think it came from for you? I mean, obviously the mother part and just sort of seeing this entrepreneurial stuff, but what makes you think of it as such a spiritual experience, which I think is great?
2: I think there's so much joy when you help someone or you reach out to someone and you make a difference. Uh, They're called treasures of the heart and they're treasures of the storehouse, you know, your money, your furniture, your car. There's treasures of the body. You're physically healthy. You're free from disease. But for me, treasures of the heart are the most important. And my mother was like that. You know, we used to have older people from a residence that were alone come to eat dinner for Christmas at our house. So I always remember being a giver and the tears come out from these people say, thank you so much for thinking of us. Like it just uh, so if I can reach out to someone and help him, you know, my day is made. Like, I don't have any problem sleeping at night when I've done that. So prospecting is being the leader in that experience. You lead. So prospecting is, the for me, the most important. There's a gentleman that you know from Connect and Sell who talks about the theory of constraints, which is a bottleneck. I really learned something from Chris. He says, the bottleneck is that convo of value at the top of the funnel. And you can mathematically bring it 2X, 3X, you're going to get 2, 3X probably win rates improved just by virtue of the value and the quality of the engagement. So I don't want to – I hate wasting people's time. So if I call someone, I want to make sure I have something that's going to help him a little bit, or he's going to be better off because of our call than after, right? Even if it's laughing and whatever. I mean, it took me like six months to get someone in Moscow to have a conversation about – the software we're selling for flight procedure design, you know, or in Israel airport authorities, it was like a long job because they want to figure out that you, you really want to help me, or are you are just trying to get to somebody or something for the money uh, or take from right. So, and I also learned that prospecting in selling is really a giving job. You're going to get, you have to give a whole lot more than you receive, you know, and you got to accept that in um, a couple, in a relationship, give 60%, expect 40. She gives 60%, you expect 40. And there'll be a cushion of 20% there in the middle to layer it out to save you know, any uh, challenges. So, uh, where did that spiritual? I don't know. It's just my parents. My dad was a, a man from the Second World War. You know, He reentered the workforce when he came back in 46. And uh, Became an elected alderman, door-to-door, prospecting to to get elected and voted in, and did a lot of things for the community. He was a real fighter. I mean, he saw some pretty awesome stuff there back in Europe in the 40s. So both of them were go-getters, make trying to make a difference. So I guess I was lucky that I had that kind of, if you want to call it spiritual experience, you know, or just a natural state of being that that's a given. And my mother also used to babysit six kids. So in the living room, we have to be careful not to step on the kids to go right to the kitchen, to eat our lunch, you know? So, but I've got a couple questions
1: for you. How did you know when you were ready to go out on your own? Was, was there some sort of like event that happened or, you know, revenue milestone? I I don't know what, what it was. How did you know you were ready?
2: Uh, I moved from I was in Toronto as a squash professional. I moved from from university in Ottawa to Toronto. I was offered a job while I was on a certification. I had three levels of certification to be a pro, the real level, you know, certified program. And uh, I was offered a job in the summer in Toronto, and I went there for the summer. And um, I I, left, I lived there for eight years, played professionally and coached in a club with a salary, you know, the whole club pro thing. And when I moved to Toronto, uh, I had done some telemarketing at some point. When I got to Montreal, someone who had seen me in the phone room remembered me. And he happened to be in charge of selling advertising for all the universities in Quebec. For the programs, hockey program, football for the football team, right? All these kinds of publications, and I was a men's coach for the men's team of the university, McGill University. We were at the awards banquet, and then he shows up, and uh, he says, "I've been looking for you. Someone told me you were in Montreal now." He says, "I remember you watching you when you were leading the team." So people are watching us, and. He says, "I have an offering for you. I want to I want to propose something," and there my partnership started, and it lasted ten years, and then I went on my own for the last twenty.
1: But how did you? Okay, how did you know though? So you you had a partnership for ten years, and then you went on your own for twenty. How did you know when it was time to leave the partnership? And go out on your own
2: well it was like a mutual kind of disagreement and uh and i was i was tired I how I
1: feel about richard right now by the way <laughs> That's why i'm asking the question i'm trying to figure out when is richard going to kick me to the curb and what's the reason and all this kind of thing
0: God, you want me to kick you to the curb so i, you think, do I, I think
1: it's interesting i think one of the things that people struggle with about going into business for themselves is when is the right time? how do i know that i'm ready now or, you
2: know, if it's a... You ne- but you never know. It's, it's what you want. Yeah. It's what you want. You know, sometimes it's you're tired of getting tired, of sick and tired. Other moments is you get a sprout of joy. I have a, one of the best salesmen in the world for a company that I was coaching. Um, got offered a job with a double salary for a bigger firm just two weeks ago. He called me last night for advice. Uh, and he's afraid to deceive and disappoint. And he's the best. He's the number one. Uh, well, there's, but, a lot of,
1: there's a lot of pressure there to stay number one, right? And and to continue to to thrive. I can understand that a little bit of not wanting to to let people down.
2: Right. So you have to do. You know, some people I tell them do the Ben Franklin approach, put the yeses and the noes, or the reasons why and why not, or for and against pros and cons list kind of thing very yeah. simple and you know the you let the decision make the decision <laughs> if you have 10 of four and two against you're out of there right so yeah. no i i mean my family when i look back at my background my 10 generations back you know i had and my brother's a lawyer on his own so we're we're you know we're a, you got it. yeah you got an entrepreneurial kind of I, I don't want a boss. I can't stand a boss. Yeah. Yeah. I I am not a good, I'm not a good employee.
1: And and what do you think it is that makes somebody not a good employee, but a good entrepreneur? I'm thinking for all there's because there's a lot of listeners that we have who are sales reps right now, or marketers, or even sales leaders, and, and they are just thinking and questioning like. When should I go out on my own? Why should I go out on my own? I don't know that I'm the best employee. Like, what are some of those traits? Like, if you if you, if you, you were my dad and you were like, you know, son, I don't know if you're a good employee because of one, two, three reasons. Like, what would those be? And for, for you specifically, because you said, I would be a terrible employee. I don't want a boss. Why?
2: Why? Because... And this may be cocky a little bit, but I'm super confident of what I know I can deliver when someone tells me to deliver, but I want to be micromanaged. You know, this whole concept of empowerment, which was used a few years ago, which died off after a while, and the opposite of that being micromanaged, uh, to have someone micromanage drives me nuts. Like, I'm just not capable. I have, I'm probably... And we all are hypersensitive, right? We try to hide it well, sometimes badly or wrongly, but uh, it's that that spirit of adventure, of courage, of um, a vision for your life, how you see your daily life. My life is phenomenal now because I created those conditions and circumstances. So, and uh, I, it's it's you feel you feel like always annoyed when you're always having to go in and report for and infantilize your activities on a day-to-day basis. Like when you have to always ask a report to order coffee for the office, you always have to have that accountability for everything. And you're 45, 50 years old with an MBA and you're a good rep. What the heck is that? Right? So uh, we talked about intrapreneurship in companies way back. I remember the word stemming from IBM 25-30 years ago. But I don't think that they've ever really given those people that intrapreneurial capabilities or latitude to really deliver the way you know deliver. Like let me let me let me now fast forward to does that answer your question
1: a bit? It, it does answer my question. Let me fast forward now though to away from the, the beginning and making that choice to You've been at this for roughly 20 years on your own, 30 years, if you include the partnership. What is how do you find the staying power? How have you? I mean, you've probably been through a few economic downturns and, and changes and, and whatnot.
2: Oh, well, I went personally bankrupt.
1: I would love to hear you know whatever you're comfortable with, with sharing. Oh my uh, god. We could do this for like hours. This is fascinating. As, as it pertains to that, because It's a a scary thing. For me, like, I started off on my own in October of 2019. I had a couple months and then the pandemic hit, right? But I actually did really well through the pandemic. I didn't struggle at all. It was almost a boon for my business. But now I'm in my first economic downturn of being out on my own. And Richard knows this about me. Like, I'm kind of short-term pessimist, and I think the sky is falling, and I'm never going to make it, but I'm also sort of telling myself, yeah, it'll be all right. You'll get through it eventually kind of thing. What is your advice to people for having longevity like that? And if you can weave some story in there about your personally bankrupt situation, that whatever you're comfortable sharing, that would be fascinating.
2: Well, I would ask you a question. Are you open to mentoring? Am I open to having a mentor or mentoring others? Yeah, having a mentor.
1: Yeah, I think I have a bunch of them, I would say.
2: Yeah. Okay. So you have a regular mentor-mentee discussions regularly? Yes. Probably almost daily. Yeah, well, that's a little bit too much in thing. But that's okay. It, you have the first criteria. Um, You're right,
1: Denis. I wish you'd stop calling all day, every day. Totally. Right. Yeah, I abused Richard. Through, through text messages in particular?
2: A story of love here. Um, bromance, bromance. So the idea is, um, I mean, my, my bankruptcy was because I was also somewhat bankrupted emotionally. Uh, my mother passed away real quick. Uh, the relationship, I was coming out of a divorce. I was smoking too much weed. All of the kinds of things that just make you go down a, a path of inertia, of lethargy, of not caring much. And what I was selling as a service, my attitude, my determination it was just way out too much. Nobody would want to talk to me. I was too much because I'm unbearable. When I want to be unbearable, I'm very good at it. Uh, I can be a pain in the neck. But uh, that has also a, a reverse side that's a, a good side to everything. There's always a, a two sides to it. Uh, it's that determination, that, that willingness like a dog to stick to your bone. Try to remove a bone from someone's mouth, a dog's mouth. He's going to take the jaw with it, right? Um, he's going to hold on to his bone. So, when I stick to something, because of my professional sports career, uh, that taught me a lot of discipline and daily training six days a week. So, you know, and be competitive, wanting to win. Win is not over someone else often. It's winning for the achievement, for the the feeling. After all the hard work, you get on a podium, you get a medal. When I see Olympians, you know, I I cry a little bit like them because I know what it took to get there. Like it's a lot more work than people really understand. Likewise, when you run a business, uh, if you're not, I had to take a look at how I was doing things and people weren't responding to me. It was a bad timing as well. The web was just starting in 1999, 2000. And it was just like, I was doing corporate CD-ROM presentations. So I did several of them, won some awards because I speak five languages. I live in three every day. So um, it was like, yeah, but I didn't know how to manage myself. So, there's a relationship between where the way you manage money and the way you manage your life. They're not disconnected. So there's a lot of people who don't know how to appreciate their life. So they don't appreciate the money that they earn because it's, there's a direct correlation between both. Uh, So sometimes people go bankrupt financially, but they're bankrupt morally or emotionally or psychologically before this even happens. So likewise, if you reverse that, Personal wealth is always preceded by personal development and psychological wealth and growth. So drain yourself to be the best you can be, and the money will follow. Your service, your kindness, your willingness, you're not being rushing people to get a deal or to get a job or to offer a service. is just keep being, keep happy, you know, and, and that takes discipline, that takes hard work you can read books. I started practicing Buddhism 20 years ago. So that will will have to answer the question. That was a real major pivotal point for me, to try to develop my own inner feeling of worthiness, of value as a Buddha, because we all have Buddha nature inherent in our lives, according to true Buddhism. So that has made all the difference. And I pray every day, and I'm so, so appreciative because tomorrow I might not be here. It's just that, it's that fast. Life can, it's like, can't take for granted, cannot take for granted in one moment. We are so fortunate when you look at, there are people right now in Ukraine, there are people now in Yemen that are dying as we speak. So, you know, I don't want to get into the, you know, the pontification of that, but it is about, When you serve someone when you call on someone uh go really easy man like you know ah, the the pitches and the i scripted all kinds of you know pitches for my call center i've done it for my reps and now i'm natural and i have developed i actually developed a methodology called teams t-e-a-m-m-s that's my prospecting model so t for target e for execution a for account for activity which means Put the bloody information in goddamn CRM. And nine times out of 10, nobody does it. I'm um, <laughs> dying. I'm dying on that one. Uh, yeah. It's see. a major constraint for business owners to have. The info in goddamn CRM. Guilty. Uh,
1: yeah. Right. That doesn't
2: have a CRM, Denise, by the way. So. Okay. Uh, he just. Well, made well, a so I have a methodology which I use now to help people structure their thinking, you know? So do them again,
0: say them again slowly because one, I want to write them down, but I do want people to hear this. I'm, I'm more than happy for you to share this
2: with people. Sure, no. So the problem I find is usually there's poor targeting. You're not targeting your own motivation. You're not targeting a company you want to represent. You're not targeting a company, a product that you're proud of, that you believe in deeply because you're going to go through a lot of struggle. So targeting... On a many level, target has many facets to T. Target the the objective, target the problems that you solve. You can have a natural kind of conversation about that so that people will say, hey, this guy's talking about things that I can relate to. Yeah, let's have that value conversation for 15 minutes. You earn the right for a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So so what does the the TEAM stand for again? TEAMS, T-E-A-M-M-S. Oh, Target, E, execution, A, account for activity or administer, like in a CRM, right? Right. All the owners of businesses, when I tell them the A, they love it because they want that information in there, right? M for measure. Measure could mean five other verbs, decipher, assess, analyze, evaluate. Take the time to think about your information you're populating in the CRM m manage, okay. So, which actionable items? You, when you send it, all that stuff. So, it's general. And S is success. Success, you have to go back to T target. So, it's a looping model. That's great. I really appreciate you, you sharing that. I think, I think I think I'm
0: riveted by everything. Like, I feel like everything you say, I could go six questions deep on. Like, it's fascinating. So, I think Scott had to jump for a second on his, his Wi-Fi connection, but. Um, I'm curious a little bit more about um, how do you coach the the early people, right? Like the people who are just getting started in sales. And that doesn't mean they're, you know, most are oftentimes, um, you know, coming out of college or earlier in their life. Sometimes they are people transitioning from careers. Like I've seen a lot of teachers transition into sales or doctors and nurses and stuff like that. What kind of advice do you give those people? Uh, Because you've got all this wisdom, but you got to start somewhere. And everybody's got sort of a similar, but sort of a different starting point.
2: Well, you know, I'll say, first of all, fantastic. Welcome. Welcome to this wonderful world of of professional selling. It's a wonderful world. And I'll, you know, I'll give him the movie of Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart, you know, Christmas and uh, Zig Ziglar, because I'm a fan of Mr. Ziglar's integrity and heart. So oh, there's these old school, but they still apply today. Um, and then I'll ask him, why did you choose sales? Or did you fall into this? Like, want to know the person. Why you, Why this? You know, and find targeted. Target the person, right? T- I use, for my own coaching, I also, you know, use target and E, execution with this coaching. Uh, it can be applied for that and for prospecting. So I want to find out about the person. It's more important about the person, where they're at in their journey, Um, because I've coached the number one in the world for a client, uh, and I've coached late 50s, early 60 guys who have been around for a very, very long time, and one of them I had in Taiwan, coaching in Taiwan, and he was the kindest, most coachable man I have ever met, and he's been in this business for 30 years in environmental intelligence. I am I am I am in awe like when I am given the opportunity to help someone of that kind of back, background. But he was so joyful and so appreciative of the advice, probably because nobody ever gave him coaching before. You know, we have to ask, what's the past with that company? How much of the leadership has encouraged, you know, those kinds of interventions and outsource services like I do. So um Find out about the person. It's about them. It's about them first. And then we journey through just, it. Just just like a customer, just like a prospect. Just like the customer. Exactly. It's all the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's all the same. It's called, in Buddhism, we call it a bodhisattva spirit. Bodhisattva means a sensitive being, someone who's sensitive to others. You feel so much. Denny, do
1: you happen to know the name of Richard's youngest child?
2: Richard,
1: do you know? Do you happen to know the name of Richard's youngest child?
2: Oh, okay. No, Buddha. Almost, Almost. Bodhi. 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 Well,
0: and it was because of the Bodhi tree. It was because of the tree.
2: So. The Bodhi tree. Well, the Bodhi tree was a sensitive tree, but it was more of a symbolic system. And when Shakyamuni, the original Buddha, uh, you know, explained to his disciples before he died, you know, they said he said. Everything I taught you for 40 years, drop it. They go, what? And he says, I've always, and you are always a Buddha. I didn't attain Buddhahood under that tree. We always, we've always been Buddhas since time without beginning. They go, holy moly. So we are Buddhas. We just have to manifest it, right? By uh, chanting and, and and helping others. So anyways, what's wonderful, Bodhi, right? Good for you, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Scott was very excited when he heard he thought it was from point break but
0: um it was good so it's interesting I have to say um listening to you talk Denny and I I don't know how how deeply you know Scott it's very similar to the things Scott talks about in that interpersonal connection in some ways I feel like I'm sitting here listening to Scott you know 10 years from now 20 years from now with just he's already got a tremendous amount of wisdom that he shares but um just with even more of it so um so it's this is a really fun one for me. So I,
1: it's, a little, it's a little spooky. I just am sort of sitting here smirking the whole time.
0: Just yes. Like. It's all Scott. <laughs> like if you want to know what he's like, this is probably close to it. He needs to, he needs to get into the to the Buddhism part though. That's the next step for you, Scott. So we've been trying meditation for years. That didn't work. We need to get you to something. So
2: well, it's literally changed my life. Yeah. It's really made a huge difference in my life. Yeah. That's great. That's great. I just and, I just deadlifted 405 pounds this morning at the gym. <laughs> oh my god oh I, I, yeah. i've never if
1: you added up all of the deadlift weight i've ever lifted it would not equal 400 <laughs> no
0: no i think i think you need to come to serpent sales though i think he'd be the perfect person to come so um it'll be an honor i would love to work with you guys yeah yeah we would likewise i think it'd be amazing um kind of get to the end where we wrap it up and and we flip it over to you to ask us a question before we do that we want to give a a quick um thank you to our sponsors of outreach sendoso and scratchpad we thank you very very much for supporting us and um boy if this couldn't be a more zen calm conversation to talk about sales and and ways to get better and then have some tools out there i don't i don't know if you could ever find one so um please support our sponsors we appreciate them, but. Denise, we're going to turn it over to you. What what kind of questions might you have for us?
2: Well, I have issues right now with lists. You know, I, I'm you know, you know, I don't know if you know Tech Powered Sales book by Justin uh, Michael. Yeah. Justin Michael. Yes. You know? Yes. Mm-hmm. I know we Justin. Know yeah, and in there, there's a plethora of tools, but I'm at odds, and because I'm not as, I guess, tech savvy as some would say, I'm still a, I'm, I am a boomer, but. I think I consider myself pretty adaptable for a boomer that's in technology. But uh, we looked at, and I don't want to start giving names here in our conversation here, but I would love to be able to have some advice from you guys as to where I could find some some data, some real quality leads, because we've been with one and uh, it hasn't panned out to be real quality information in there, like missing names, no longer there. The phone number doesn't work. The email doesn't work. It just gets... Very tiring, it's a waste yeah. of energy. So maybe you can lead me into you know, the greener pastures for that kind of tool, you know, we can have a call some other time. I'm happy to throw out
0: a couple of people. I mean, you may have looked at them all and, and you might have more knowledge because I don't actually dig into them. I know them just through, you know, kind of like you where we just know all the vendors. So um, this one's top of mind because they cold called me yesterday and I ended up giving the woman some cold call feedback. Uh, seamless AI. I think um, does a. Pr- I'm told they do a very good job of of the cell phone email. That's fairly accurate. Uh, I think Zoom Info is the one so many people know. I think uh, Lead 411, which was actually a sponsor for us a while ago, um, is a good one. Um, I'm trying to think, but again, I think it's a. To your point, it's it's a little bit about making sure you know your target, right? Um, And then, for lack of a better phrase, getting them to verify that they can get you this target ahead of time. Um, Sales Intel is another one that I know of. I don't know them deeply. Um, And Sales Navigator, I think, are good. Um, It's just a question of making sure it is who you want, what you want, and that they can deliver. And I've also seen, um, uh, there's no one called PitchBook for VCs, if you're trying to get into to those folks um but I, it's not unusual these days for some people that i talk to that they actually end up having
1: two vendors not just one um yeah my, my experience Denis, has been i talked to two different people i talked to denny and i talked to richard and i say listen uh you know company x is the best one and Denis says yes totally agree with you and richard goes Well, I've had a terrible experience with that. And then I say, okay, well, company B is the best one. And then it flips. So it seems to be that there's no universal sort of, um, you know, best source or best company. It's very specific, I think, to whatever product or services that, that you are selling. And sometimes who you're working with in terms of your account manager and whatnot, And your contact at those companies and your relationship with those companies and how much time and energy you put into this this type of stuff. But there is always going to be garbage and junk in in these kind of lists. It's just part of the the deal, right? And one thing that, you know, a lot of people do is Richard alluded to this, not just multiple vendors, but then you find somebody like on Upwork or something like that or Fiverr even or whatever these, you know, kind of remote work, outsource kind of things are and they go do the job to just enrich the data. So, you know, we do an initial scrub and it's like, you know, 70% of the accounts have emails, 30% of them don't. We'll hire somebody on Upwork to go, you know, find the missing 30%. They find maybe not all of the missing amount, but a good chunk, and that's the way that we kind of chip away at it and uh and so That's That kind of combination strategy seems to be the most effective, I think, because just one single provider, it seems to be very hit and miss depending on what somebody's up to.
2: Yeah, I, I like the idea of the upwork, resorting to a individual that he or she can help in cleaning up some of this stuff on a by contract basis, you know, for a specific mandate somewhat. Yeah, appreciate that. I love Nav. I use Nav. It does well for me. But yeah. I've built up so many, you know, ex clients of mine, or they were clients in, in my other roles. I just call on to them, and now they're all, oh, we're developing an SDR department. Oh, really? And I tell them what I do, and they, go, we need to talk. I don't know how to start an SDR department or prospecting department or whatever. So that's, I focus on top of funnel because I think it's such a big weakness. That's why I've, really made it a mission of mine to be, you know, I guess a, a good reference, I hope. Anyways, testimonials on LinkedIn for me seems to say so.
0: <laughs> That's great. That's yeah, it's interesting to to have this conversation and and hear how people are seeing it and envisioning it. Um If people want to get a hold of you, what's the easiest way? Give out an email, phone number, LinkedIn, whatever. But how can they do that?
2: Yeah, LinkedIn, Denis Champagne, D E N I S, and then C H A M P A G N E, like the wine. Great. Yeah. So I would. They can get get me there. I'm always. Sorry? No, go ahead. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it. Yeah, that's, you know, I could give my number, but it's a 514 in Montreal number. Uh, I have a you know a partner I'm helping with in the U.S. He gave me a Teams number, but you know they they sometimes work, they sometimes don't. Um, not the Teams of mine, the team with One M. Um, so yeah, just Denis Champagne on LinkedIn. I'm always on LinkedIn. I I listen to the guys like Richard Harris and Scott Lees, and you know read some of the information of all the kinds of. There's so many great people out there. Like I feel so uh, you know, uh, in awe sometimes I, I realize I know nothing. <laughs> Not that I'm trying to belittle myself, but I said, oh, I have so much to learn. Like I'm, you know. Who, who, who do you follow? Give some people, because I'm intrigued by you
0: and feel the same and we'll make sure to make an effort to follow you more. But
2: I follow Kian McLaughlin from Australia, who has an expertise in win-loss opportunities, win-loss analysis. That gives you amazing insights on the company. And he was an enterprise salesperson. Um, follow Richard Harris. I don't know if you know him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, not no one in particular. I you know I just keep browsing and learning, and you know sometimes I make comments. I mean, you know, obviously LinkedIn has hybridized a little bit. There's things about people and individuals and poverty and leadership and BIPOC culture and equity and diversity and inclusion and this HR component, it's all part of the human kind of fabric for me. So, and I interject there when I can bring value by talking about as people, you know, when we serve, you know, I, uh, it's about a long term run it's not about a short term sprint i'm a sprinter on track as a cyclist but i've done marathons i've done 300 mile race races on bike but it's about smooth like they say slow is smooth and smooth is fast
0: yeah this is like scott can we just clear the rest of the day and like hang out denny can you clear your calendar i got like i could just go on like 300 miles tell you about that Tell me more about living, you know.
1: Having- time to go play golf, Richard. It's time to go play golf the rest of the day. Yeah, it is. It is. And you
2: know what? Sometimes it's the best thing for you is to do that, to just let everything go, get the exactly. hell out of your office, stop this uh, culpable, culpabilizing or guilt trip on your head and get the hell out and be a happy person. When you come back the next morning, you know, I made three calls, two calls yesterday. That's all. Yeah. And I got a project, right? doesn't always happen that way but you know just relaxed
0: yeah i think i think
2: we're declaring you the buddha of sales like that yeah. really well actually awesome. someone interviewed me and he says how does a buddha sell i said like a human being you know i mean that's
1: <laughs> oh my god denny. there's the episode richard how does a Buddhist sell
2: yes denny
1: champagne thanks so much for joining us today denny thanks Appreciate denny it
2: was awesome man i just put uh the website to the U.S. organization that I'm part, to, part of. I'll put that in the notes, yep. Awesome. Lay organization. So. And uh, let's let's get, please, let's reconnect if you don't mind. I would love to, both of you are uh, brilliant guys and I'm very happy to have it, you know, too bad it wouldn't happen lifetime, but timing is important, right? So. No, it's great. It's great. Thank you so much again, Danny. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Peace. Good. Ciao.